I said to my wife, I'm going to stop working for my dad and um, open up a martial arts school and teach self-defense. And she looked at me and she went, how are you going to do that? And as soon as she said that, I knew we were getting divorced. Like within a year, we were divorced. Welcome to another episode of the Empire Podcast. This is an episode of the Inside Look. I'm Bedros Koulian, and I have a very special guest today, Tony Blauer. Tony, how are you? Good, buddy. How are good. You? Very good. Thanks for coming over, man. Mm-hmm. So we just got done with you teaching fear management to my team here at Fit Body Bootcamp headquarters. And of course, the Empire Podcast is all about entrepreneurial growth, building empires. And you not only are an entrepreneur, but you have a very unique job as an entrepreneur. You work with some high-level people in the military, as well as entrepreneurs, who uh, have to manage fear. Tell us what you do. My main business is, is really training law enforcement, military, uh, professional martial artists, how to teach people self-defense. And uh, what I realized uh, probably about three decades ago is we can have all these theories about the mechanics of self-defense and how we do stuff, but if we can't manage our fear, we can't make stuff happen. And uh, that evolution and that research led to the development of a program called No Fear, K-N-O-W Fear, and just understanding how fear influences everything we do in our life and how it changes. Uh, you, it can be used as a fuel or it's, it stymies your growth. So uh, I kind of branched out in that entrepreneurial spirit of like, well, my, my passion for four decades has been training professionals how to teach hand-to-hand self-defense. I saw a greater calling and a bigger thing, and how do I make the world a little bit safer? And this epiphany one day was, man, if we taught people how to look at fear differently, that would change their lives. What helped you get that epiphany about fear? Just, I was struggling with it from day one. You know, I get asked all the time, how did I get started? And, and you know, I say, well, my dad told me I should sign up for self-defense. But, you know, you peel that onion, you go, well, what, what made you want to take self-defense? Well, I wanted to be like Bruce Lee. Well, Bruce Lee wasn't, he didn't have his movies out at that time. So what was it? It was, I was afraid of getting mugged or attacked or kidnapped. Or I had these crazy visions as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old. Mm. So it was my fear and emoting that, sharing that with my parents. My dad said, well, why don't you take, you know, self-defense? And then studying the stuff, I realized that no matter how good I got as an athlete, kicking, striking, blocking, I still had the same fear. I was like, well, that's, that's wrong. Like, now that I'm good, why am I still scared? That's a huge epiphany because mm-hmm. dad says, hey, go take uh, self-defense and you're going to be better. Right. You're not going to have this fear anymore. Well, you know how to kick and strike and defend yourself, but there's still this fear. So what made you start digging deeper into it? Like, what, what gives you this introspectiveness that you dig deeper and find out where fear comes from. And you hit the word nail on the head there, introspective. I, I was always, you know, whether you look at it as a gift or a curse, uh, you know, if, if you say to me, hey, let's go to lunch, where do you want to go? I'll go, where do you want to go? And you go, well, you, where are you? And like, I'm, I overthink things to a fault, but the, the, in some areas of my life, that's a problem. Uh, in other areas, it, it kind of gave birth to this, where, you know, I would ask somebody, yeah, what if he has a gun? Or what if this happens? What if there's multiple assailants? And their answer didn't satisfy me. And they'd say, well, you just do this. And my heart would start racing. I'd get adrenaline. I mean, and I'd go there like, something's wrong here. And it's like all the research now coming out on breathing and uh, the relationship on your exhale. And so that's trial and error where people are like, 
using technology like heart rate monitors and going, hey, when you do this, you downregulate your system. But this is like, like how long we've we been breathing for, right. like as a species, right. right? But now it's only now that all this research is coming out. So I just did that same stuff for 30, 40 years, studied violence. And it didn't matter what was going on. I would still look at the behaviors of a soldier, of a cop, of a citizen. And, and I started to notice that what made things happen was how they managed their fear, not what their movement was. Gotcha. So let's move that now into the entrepreneurial space. Let's say I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur and I've got this great idea for a product or a service. Now I know there's other products like this out there and I want to go out there and sell it on the internet and demonstrate it using social media, but I've got this fear of, well, I don't want to look stupid on the internet. I don't want to create a Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel and people start judging me and criticizing me. I'm, I certainly don't want people to, to hate on me. I mean, right. I want their approval. I want their validation. What makes people fearless as entrepreneurs? In other words, you said some people can use fear as fuel right. and others get stifled by it. Have you figured out what stifles some and fuels others? A lot of people like to say things like, uh, this guy was born to do this or this guy. If you look, if you really research like greatness, you'll find that uh, there, there may be some like, like freaks, like uh, you can say, hey, Mozart was a freak. Like at the young age, he could do that. But if you, if you study, I don't know if you had a chance to read the book, The Talent Code, yeah. and some of these other books on neuroscience and learning, but you find out that, that there's actually, there was actually a, a, an experience and a condition that, that predisposed the person to that. Now, there had to be some passion and some art and all that. Uh, and so to come back to the entrepreneurial side, I think a lot of it is just, when you, you know, f figure out what your why is, which is I'm really passionate about stuff. And I ask people, you know, a lot of times I'll say to the, like my team, I'll go, if there was no money and there was no rent and there was no food, what would you be doing? Mm. Like, would, would you still be, would, would you still be getting people in shape and, and teaching people how to run their lives and be better? You know, like, like I said to you, uh, uh, you know, what a great crew, great energy. And, and you know, you, you thank you say, yeah, they're great. And I look at that as a businessman, I go, that's on you. It's, it's, it's how you lead them that inspires that. It's not just them. And, and so, you remember, you remember the author, uh, uh, Wayne Dwyer? Yeah. Right? So he asks a question, he says, if you look in the mirror and you didn't know how old you were, how old would you think you were? Mm. I remember reading that going, holy shit. And then he says, if you didn't know where you lived and you looked at all the places in the world, where would you want to live and why aren't you living there? And if you didn't know what you did and you looked at all the things you could do, you know, what would you do and why aren't you doing that? And that's all beautiful, but it comes down to what our talk is always about. It's fear. Like, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you getting this job? Why aren't you? And so no matter what somebody wants to do, whether it's I got a better widget or I want to start an Instagram, what causes the hesitation is always fear. And, and there's no like secret... People always go, well, what's the secret uh, panacea? My, my, uh, my father-in-law asks me now for, you know, I've been married for 25, 26 years. And every year he comes to me and he says, show me a move, show me one move. I go, Fred, there is no move. Like everyone's looking for the secret move. And there is one. What there is is self-awareness. You know, just r really going, you know, what's holding me back here? Why, why aren't I doing this? Because you could have, like there's lots of guys that have access to money but they can't be entrepreneurs, right? And there's some people who think that like entrepreneurship is like it's a gene you got to have, you know, you got to have it. So that's, that's an interesting discussion. Too. Yeah, well, for me, I know it's a learned behavior because I don't come from a line of entrepreneurs 
at all. Right. Um, going back to what you said, my why is so big. My need for freedom and experience and to give my kids the lifestyle that I never had right. being an immigrant to this country, I'm willing to deal with any kind of hate, criticism, loss of reputation, loss of money, loss of market share, all those potentials for the upside of what if I don't lose reputation, what I don't lose money, what if I don't lose market share, then oh my gosh, I can give my kids and my family the life and the experiences and the freedom mm -hmm. that I didn't have because I know I'm just fundamentally, I'm unemployable. Like no one will <laughs> give me a job. Uh, the two jobs that I've had in my life, I got fired from both. And I knew that I had to go create something where I could be my own boss. Right. But like everyone else, I was afraid of the what ifs. Now, there was no Instagram then and Facebook. It was just, what if I like actually create this software? My first thing was called High Tech Trainer. My first product is a software product. What if it fails? And what if I get laughed at by the fitness industry? Because it was a, an online workout software back in 2003. Wow. But then I would always weigh that out against my big why, which is, well, if I don't do it, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go out and work for someone, which means now I've got a nine to five, which means I can't control the lifestyle and the experiences and the money that I'm making, which means my kids are going to grow up probably broke or living middle income like I am. Yeah. And I didn't want that. So my reason why I was big enough to help me overcome my fears. Do you, do you find it a person's, if there's someone, someone's really clear on their reason why that helps them overcome their fears? A hundred percent. And then there, but there are still lots of people who, uh, have the talent or the passion, but something's holding them back. That's why I always say there, there, there's no situational awareness without self-awareness. And the self-awareness part is that ability to say to yourself or to a confidant, like, I'm really scared to do this. And then having uh, 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 people around you that go, well, that's why you need to do that. But it all comes back to, you know, you could have created like software for something else. But, you know, while you were saying that, like internally I'm smiling going, you've always been physical. I'm guessing, and and you like working out. And if you were in your previous life, if you were frustrated with shit going on, and you just you know you just got fired from that job, you probably went to the gym and hit the weights and hit a bag and did some stuff. Yeah, that was your intuition. That was your self awareness that went, you know, well, I'm not going to code and build a website company. I'm going to code. I'm going to figure out how to build a fitness app. And that was just an intuitive leap. And then you had the self confidence. There was some clarity there, but that clarity is a self-awareness. So my big thing now is trying to get people to understand how important self-awareness is. And then self-awareness will actually create clarity to the fear spike. The fear spike is now the beacon of where you got to go. So I've got this theory that most people are actually self-aware. They just dilute it and make their self-awareness fuzzy by taking other people's opinions right. into consideration, other people's thoughts into consideration. But most of us, if you kind of, going back to the onion, you peel away everything, everyone knows what they need to do, what mm -hmm. they need to do, but they go, yeah, but my friend says I should do it this way, or society says I might want to do it this way, or I should go get a job and stay there for the next 20 years and retire with a gold Rolex watch and a pension plan. Even though the self-awareness says, you know what, you are unemployable and you've got this amazing idea and it can gain traction as an entrepreneur. So how do some people go, you know what, 
This whole software thing right now that I'm making, because this is what happened. I was making high-tech trainer. I didn't know how to software code or program, so I found one of my personal training clients whose husband was a software programmer, and I said, hey, if I give you 25% of the business, will you take this vision that I have? I'll, I'll make the workout videos, mm -hmm. but then would you make it work on a, at the time it was a Palm Pilot. This is mm -hmm. pre-iPhones, right? Nice. Would you make it work on this Palm Pilot? For those of you who don't know what a Palm Pilot is, just do a Wikipedia search these days, and it's probably in the history archives. Um, and so, but when I would get stressed out and freaked out over the idea of how the fuck do I make software work, I would go back to what was my true north, which is, you know what, I'm gonna go get a win right now. A mm. win is I'm gonna go to the gym, train legs, train mm. back, train chest, train shoulders, because that's where I'm good at, that's my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. Get the endorphins, get the dopamine, get the happy hormones going, and then come back and tackle this bullshit of a software product, which I know is gonna have a positive outcome in the end, because I'll right. be helping people, but the process of code and technology, Got it. I'd rather eat a bullet, <laughs> right? And, and so people, I believe, are aware, self-aware, but they override it with other people's thoughts. How, does the, how do they stop that? So you, while you're talking, I remembered uh, when the iPhones just first came out, and I'm an Apple junkie, and there was this, this guy, this buddy of mine, and so he sees me, and like I'm going, I'm loving my iPhone, it was first generation. So he goes out and gets one, and he shows up, and he goes, I really like it, I'm really digging it, but the sound on it is horrible. So he's using it, and he gets a call, and he's talking, and he goes like, I can't hear shit. You know, I mean, I can hear the person, but it's really muffled. And he's using it, and I look at it, and I go, uh, peel the plastic off it. And he goes, what? You know, and he, hadn't, he just had never noticed. And so my vision here is he had awareness, but he, there was another deeper level of yes. self-awareness that plastic didn't come off. So I'm like that too. Like for example, I've been writing for 30 years and everyone asks me, when are you gonna put your book out? And I'm so creative with stuff that I'm like this artist that can never finish a painting because I have a new idea. Instead of going, you know, I remember reading years ago, a uh, maxim, art is never done. And, and so my self-awareness, like I have this clarity goes like, you just need to write your book. Why do you keep, and I got my own explanation, but if you were my publisher, you'd have said, hey, give me back your advance, you suck, you know, you committed to do this. So, so I get that, I agree with you. I have that self-awareness, I have it committed to stopping everything else, and I'm just writing, writing the book, you mm -hmm. know? So it's, 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 I don't know if that, that, uh, that uh, Apple phone thing popped into my head, and it was like, I think I'm using this right, and I think I know what I'm doing, but no, there's another, there's That's another so level. That's so true. That's so true, isn't it? Uh, so the guy knew intuitively like how to use the phone and I see, he sees so much greatness in it. And he was, could still, you know, because you can yeah. still use the touchscreen was still yeah. working, the phone would ring, but he's just going like it just, it doesn't have the right volume. But we just have to peel away other people's opinions, other people's suggestions, or just us trying to do the right thing. There's always another layer in this metaphoric onion where, where you get down to. And so I've gotten to the point where for me, I don't have fear of writing the book. I'm a good writer. You know, it's it's just when am I going to prioritize it with all the other things I think are super important, yeah. you know? And so again, going back to the entrepreneur who's saying, all right, um, typically on the Empire podcast where, you know, hey, Bedros, hey, Craig, give us some tactical stuff to, to market, to increase the, um, the volume of sales, to increase the lifetime value of a client. Well, all that happens once you've overcome this fear of mm -hmm. building the product and selling the product. So the fear component, the mental component, the emotional component is critical. Going back to peeling that, the layers off, 
for most people, how many layers deep do you think the real solution is? Uh, the, the real answer, it, you know, that really depends on who that person is and what their, what their upbringing was. You, being an immigrant, got exposed to a different uh, lifestyle and experience and a work ethic that the, you know, many of this generation entitled, you know, like get things fast, uh, you know, quick fix, uh, yeah. you know, your, your transformation would happen way faster than somebody else that grew up like, you know, silver spoon in their mouth. I uh, can't figure out, you know, why things aren't working. And mm. you know, so, so the, so the real answer for me is like, it's not automaton robotic. Like if you do this, you know, you're immediately successful. And it's like here by my, by my app, it's, you know, you got to peel three layers, right? It, right. This isn't, this isn't like, like a derm abrasion or something, right, or, right, you know, right. so it's know. three layers for someone, it's 30 layers for another right. person. And, and, and then, you know, and it's weird. It's, it's when you, you know, like all the, all the great stuff that, that you put out in terms of like, you've, you guys have, have uh, reverse engineered success and, and those steps towards success and greatness. I mean, if you study any, any great business person, you can, there, there's certain pillars and milestones of behavior that when you reverse engineer it, they're consistent across all domains and fields. Right. But you know, why does this guy commit suicide? Why is this guy successful? Why does this have three guy have three heart attacks, but he's a billionaire? Like I've known people who are incredibly wealthy and they're incredibly miserable. I know people who, you know, they look on the on the outside, uh, you know, they got all this shit going, and it's they're on their third heart attack. Uh, it all comes back to me, you know, is really about developing yourself. If uh, I had, a, I had a friend of mine I play guitar. I'm not very good, but I was taking lessons years ago. And this guy was, I mean, he played on session stuff for famous people and one of the best guitarists I've ever seen. I would just sit there with my mouth open watching him play. And I said to him, his name was Mark. I said, Mark, like, why aren't you on stage? You're like a guitar god. And he was a, a, a stay-at-home dad. His wife worked so that he could teach guitar and play sessions. And he said, I don't do drugs and I don't like parties. But he was so like, like he didn't want to be a rock star. Yeah. I wanted him to be a rock star. But he had clarity on what he right. wanted. He had self-awareness. Yeah. So he didn't live, you know, he didn't have, he wasn't miserable that ever, like everyone would go, dude, come to this party. You got to see that. I'm not interested. I'm raising my son. I play guitar every day. I teach guitar. And then when Sting comes to town, I play on his, you know, on the back of the, you know, the police. And like he was working with like really high end. Yeah, yeah. And he was just happy. I mean, how many people go and take someone else's advice? Because, you know, you were just trying to be friendly, give, right. give, give him great advice. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mark, why, why aren't you on stage yourself? Right. But he was so self-aware that he goes, here's the three reasons why, and so I'm happy. Right. And it all leads to happiness. At the end of the day, um, I remember reading a study saying that if you ask someone why they're doing something, so, hey, Tony, why are you working, why is your whole life based on fear management, fear mitigation? And if we keep asking you why, you might say, well, why? Because I want to make the world a safer place, mm -hmm. right? That was your first answer. Well, why do you want to make the world a safer place? And keep asking why. They say, if you say, ask that seven to nine times, the answer is because it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it makes you happy. In fact, the most selfish thing we do is donate to charities, mm -hmm. even though it seems like the most selfless thing, like, oh, I'm going to go help that, that charity. I'm going to build a well in their community. I'm going to help the, a group of kids in that, in, that, in that organization. But in reality, why do we do it? It, makes, it feels good. Right. And if it feels good, it makes us happy. Right. And so this guy knows that being on stage and drugs and late nights and alcohol is not his thing. Mm -hmm. Yet people around him who see his talent, mm -hmm. who think they want the best for him, go, hey, man, you should be on stage rocking and rolling. Right. 
So, so many of us listen to others instead of the inside voice, right, where, where it's concerned. And for entrepreneurs, I wonder how many entrepreneurs right now have jobs that are meaningless, dead-end jobs, but they have these amazing ideas mm-hmm. that will never come to fruition, which means there's probably tens of thousands of people that will never help because they're listening to someone else about playing it safe with their job. And, but, and what's holding them back? Because I agree with you at that level, uh, you know, that, that, that kid at home who's, you know, mom or buddy or wife or, I mean, my first wife, uh, when I said to her, I was teaching self-defense privately, uh, I was working 40, 50 hours a week for my dad in the clothing business, and then I would, after work, finish at six, seven o'clock, drive to people's house teaching, you know, it was like the thing I asked, like I said earlier, if like we didn't, if there was no money or food or anything like that, what would I be doing? I'd be teaching self-defense. I loved it. It made me happy. Yeah. And uh, so I'd still do that. And then one day I said, I'm going to stop working for my dad. And, and I said to my wife, I'm going to stop working for my dad and um, open up a martial arts school and teach self-defense. And she looked at me and she went, how are you going to do that? And as soon as she said that, I knew we were getting divorced. Like within a year we were divorced. Because it was like, you don't believe in me. You don't, you don't, and I, but that's also a level of self-awareness too, right? I had to do what that I had is. to do. That is. You know, it's funny you say that. So I, I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs, about 1,600 entrepreneurs through various coaching programs, masterminds, or just private one-on-one coaching clients. And when I, it's funny, as I see entrepreneurs grow, I always clench because if their relationship at home is not strong, mm-hmm. there's an inevitable divorce coming. And it boils down to one thing. When I hear from them six months, eight months, 15 months later that I'm in the process of getting a divorce, I'll ask why, even though I know the answer. It's because the entrepreneur had hope. He or she wanted to do something new, different, and bigger, better. He had hope. She or him, whoever the other Mm -hmm. spouse is, had doubt. Mm -hmm. And if they don't both have hope together, it's not going to happen. And so I always see the common pattern. Like, uh uh-oh. Do you also also see that if there was a... You know, it's all, it's like protein, fat, and carbs, right? You know, if, if in the metaphor, if protein is just, I want to get, I want to make money and, and the fat is, you know, I want to have security and the carbs are, you know, I need more volume or I need more followers. I need more, if you don't have a proper balance, it's a work-life balance. Yeah. Uh, but, but underneath all of that, there's got to be some synthesis and that's the self-awareness sphere management part. So, you know, the, the, you know, when I, when I was 50 years old, I lost a $12 million company and we went for, I went from making 500,000 bucks a year to zero from Friday to Monday in three days, mm. dissolved my company. Uh, my wife is crying, freaking out. We had our, our, our green cards. We were living in Virginia and she's crying. She says, what are we going to do? And she's thinking, we got to move back to Canada where we've got family and support. Right. And I said, I was, I was talking at a, a counterterrorism conference in San Diego, and I said, buy tickets for everybody, we'll move to San Diego. And she said, what? I said, yeah, I heard the weather's amazing there. If we're going to be homeless, let's be homeless in San Diego. Sure. So she starts cry laughing where I had vision and hope with it. Yeah. I was scared shitless. But what, because she understood fear and fear management because of the years together, yeah. I was able to take her doubt and recalibrate that. That's so amazing. we were scared together, but we had hope together. Yeah. And, and that's really it. And if, if we can end this podcast on any note here, 
uh, where fear management is concerned, we're feeling the fear and doing it anyway. It's about these four words. Right. And so I want you to kind of explain this to our viewers. I'm wearing a shirt. For those of you listening to the podcast and not watching it on YouTube, I'm wearing a, a black shirt with big white font that says, fuck fear. Mm -hmm. uh, but as it turns out, as you taught us in the workshop here that you ran for our team at, uh, at HQ, fuck is an acronym. It stands Correct. for something. Can you tell us what fuck stands yeah. for? So when you get a fear spike for anything, you know, uh, in, in business and relationship, you're scared to say I'm sorry, you're scared to say I love you, you're scared to ask for a loan, you're scared to tell somebody, hey, we need to move, expand, whatever it is. There's always a fear spike. A fear spike will create hesitation. Hesitation creates doubt. Doubt, if you fixate on doubt, it will create anxiety. And now you didn't do shit. And maybe you lost that opportunity, that window's gone. So I created the acronym Fuck Fear. Obviously, it's, it's, it's part of our whole process of managing fear. But it, F stands for face it. Because when you commit to face something, you then move to part two, which is to understand it. And now you're researching it, whether it's Google, a doctor, a mentor, uh, uh, you know, some spiritual guide, whatever. Now you're understanding it. It doesn't eliminate the fear. It dissipates its hold on you because it moves from an emotional place to a more cerebral cognitive thing. So the, the C is to control or confront it, right? And I've got to now try to control it. But it's very important that we clarify that it doesn't ever dissipate. It doesn't, you don't eradicate fear. Um, and then uh, the K is the no fear. Because everyone likes to, they want to get to that place of I know, you know, no fear, no fear. And I go, it doesn't exist. There's going to always be a new stimulus, a new concern that triggers some sort of physiological response to it. And now we're back in that cycle of doubt, hesitation, panic, or, or, or avoidance. So face it, understand it, confront it, know it. Fuck know fear. It. Fuck fear. What a great way to end this podcast. Tony, if someone wants to get a hold of you, learn more about your programs and teachings, where would they go to learn this? Uh, Google us. We've got a lot of free content online, but uh, Instagram, Tony Blauer, uh, Blauer Spear websites. Uh, we've got a bunch of websites. If you just go to Blauer Spear or Google Tony Blauer, they'll find us. Thank you so much for joining us for another amazing episode of the Empire Podcast. Now, the greatest compliment that you can give to us is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all of your friends. So please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, and then share it online and social media with everyone that you know, and make sure to tag us because we love hearing from Empire listeners. And if you own a business that's doing half a million dollars or more in annual revenues, and you know it's got massive potential, and you'd like myself and Craig Ballantyne to help you scale it by 5x, 10x, and 20x in the shortest amount of time possible, then you might be a great candidate for the Empire Mastermind program that we have. To learn more about the Empire Mastermind program, go to bedroskulian.com forward slash empire.